Hello listener, welcome to the Founders Club podcast. The following is a conversation with Chris J. Reed, international best-selling author on the subject of LinkedIn, personal branding and social selling. Chris is infamously known as the only CEO with a mohawk, recognized globally by his notorious pink mohawk. Chris is also the number one most recommended global LinkedIn marketing expert with four best-selling books about LinkedIn, CEO and founder of the number one most recommended global LinkedIn marketing firm, Block Marketing, with 1,600 LinkedIn recommendations and leads the number one most recommended global LinkedIn masterclass. In this episode, you'll learn about LinkedIn leadership, personal branding, LinkedIn marketing, social selling, and content marketing. Feeling the medical, psychological, and financial burden of this crisis, I'm sending you wealth your way. Stay strong. We're in this together, and we'll beat this. This is the Founders Club podcast. If you enjoy it, consider to review it with 5-star on Apple podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Giorgio Morochica, or simply connect with me on LinkedIn. Hello, everybody. Welcome back on the Founders Club podcast. Today, my guest is the most recommended global LinkedIn marketing expert, best-selling book author about LinkedIn, global speaker, CEO and founder. His name is Chris J, the only CEO with a Mohawk read. Chris, welcome on the Founders Club podcast. Thank you very much for invitation. What a lovely, what a lovely introduction that was, Georgia. Thank you. I'll try to summarize it. I didn't, I didn't know exactly which and how to do it the best, but uh, thanks. <laughs> so before going into LinkedIn and talking about what you do, uh, I just want to start with a question, or maybe with a background story and how I came to to know about you. So it was, I think, 2019, and uh, I, I was running my startup, uh, a tech startup, and one of my friends at the time said, hey, you should follow this guy and you should learn from him how to use LinkedIn to reach your, uh, your clients because it's actually a good channel. And I was like, okay, who is this guy? And he sent me a link and it was like Chris J. Reed, the only CEO of the Moha. I was like, wow, okay, wait a second. This guy is a bit, uh, well, kind of polarizing. He has a mohawk. It's kind of weird, but at the same time, curious. So I said, okay, let's, let's follow and see what this guy does. And since then, I've been following you and like, trying to learn like what you do and what you write, like especially blogs and stuff like that. And uh, finally, we are here deciding to have an interview and conversation. So the first question I want to start is, can you give a little bit uh, the background and what is the origin story of you starting on LinkedIn and using this platform? It's a great story, particularly for founders out there. I mean, I was a founder in the UK. I had three exits in the UK. Then basically, I basically wanted the challenge before and the, uh, the Dodgers didn't have another business in the UK. So I went to Singapore. Uh, I didn't know anyone in Singapore. So literally, this is 11 years ago. So I used my 200 connections then on LinkedIn in London and said, who do you know in Singapore? And they said, oh, meet so-and-so. Go and meet so-and-so. So then... I set up meetings, and because it's Singapore, people said yes. I set up meetings here, and people then said, oh, yeah, no, you can have this as a job, and we need someone like you to do this. So I created my own jobs by using LinkedIn by networking. Those 
those jobs were Asia-Pacific, I didn't know anybody in Asia-Pacific. I was going, what on earth am I going to do? How am I going to generate business in China and Indonesia and Australia? It's like, well, I better use LinkedIn again. And then suddenly realized, actually, if I reached out to someone on LinkedIn, they responded. I go, this is amazing. Obviously, this is 11 years ago. It's when people weren't really using LinkedIn that much. They are using it for recruitment, not social selling. So I was reaching people who were basically CMOs and CEOs, just like uh, anybody else was using it for recruitment. So basically, we were very much innovative. Then I realized there's basically nobody offering a service of managing somebody else's LinkedIn. I saw how much time it took me to do it on a regular basis, literally every single day, hours and hours and hours a day. But most entrepreneurs do not have time to do this. There's a business here. So basically, that's why I created Black Marketing eight years ago. Now we're approaching our our decades in doing LinkedIn marketing. And literally, we've grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. And although we're based in Singapore, we have global clients. Most of our clients are not in Singapore. Now, I love Singapore, so I'm here. It's a great entrepreneurial hub, but actually most of our clients are in places like Zurich, they're in places like Germany, they're in um, Shanghai, where you and I have both been to, in Sydney, and Hong Kong, and San Francisco, and London. You know, literally, Dubai, the whole world, wherever somebody is using LinkedIn, which is everywhere in the world, basically we have clients. So that's where it came from. And there's still to this day, nobody really doing what we do in terms of offering it to tailored, who's like a boutique, personalized service, of taking over your profile, managing it, enhancing your personal brand, posting content, creating content, and socially selling. Because it takes a lot of time. It takes time, expertise, and experience. And that's why we have the business to do it. And that's why it's a very, very niche business. You know, literally, we're for founders. I have some of our clients are founders and entrepreneurs across the world. And that's why I was interested in talking to you, because basically our audience are people like you and I. Right. <laughs> so 11 years ago, no job. Uh, no brand, you're coming, moving to a new place and you start to understand like, okay, I can leverage this platform. I can, through it, I can find a job. I can, uh, I can do more than, than, than this actually. I can build a brand. Uh, why yeah. is it important to build a brand on LinkedIn? And what are some of those uh, best uh, practices when you build a brand on LinkedIn that you've learned during those, uh, this 11 years? Because it was a long way. Yeah, it's very important to build a brand on LinkedIn because if I Google you before I meet you, the number one thing that comes up nine times out of ten is your LinkedIn. And if I click on that LinkedIn, I get a positive or negative impression of your profile. So actually it has a a positive or adverse effect on people raising money, for example, or people becoming a client, or people want to work with you because they see your LinkedIn when they Google you. Because LinkedIn trust is basically trusted by Google. It's trusted by Google, so it promotes it top more than Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, which it puts way, way down. So LinkedIn and Google is very much, you know, working together almost. But LinkedIn is a trusted platform because of the fact it's professional and business. You can't be anonymous. You know, that when you post things, basically you have responsibility. So I realized pretty quickly that basically you had to stand out. So that's why basically I did not have a mohawk when I first came to Singapore. But I realized by basically Singapore is a very conservative society, but it also likes individuality. So it likes the expressions of personal branding, you know, even if the person respecting you and liking you can't do it themselves because they work for DBS or they work for OCBC or they work for a big bank and they have to be quite conservative. So I realized by being an entrepreneur, I'm allowed to get away with a lot more. So I could grow the mohawk and actually use the mohawk as a reason to start a conversation. I call it a catalyst. I call it a metaphorical mohawk. What's your metaphorical mohawk? What's your reason to stand out on LinkedIn? What makes someone go, yes, I need your service? And we use it and say, okay, this is my mohawk, but you don't have, have a mohawk. What do you do? 
well, I do this, or I do that, or I, I do that. And we basically elevate that on LinkedIn so people can humanize you, can empathize with you, and more likely to do business with you. Because you know, people buy people. If you relate to people and engage with people, they're much more likely to buy from them than not. And yes, my mohawk, as you said, is polarizing. Some people do not want to do any business with me whatsoever. Because they look at me and go, what the hell? No way on earth am I going to have him? Look at him. It's like, you know, antisocial, completely wearing, fucking, you know, having tattoos and having a mohawk and, you know, wearing rock t-shirts. No, I want someone very corporate. But people who are more individual, typically founders, totally respect it and say, yes, you understand personal branding. You understand authenticity. I want you to manage my LinkedIn profile. That's how we build a business. So besides the building a personal branding, there is like you can become a thought leader, you can do social selling yeah. and many other peculiar. Can, can you walk a little bit between the different peculiarities and what you can do on LinkedIn? Yeah, I mean, personal branding is just one part of LinkedIn, but personal branding is the most important because it leads us to the thought leadership side of things, the social selling. So if you want to be a thought leader, you have to have a personal brand. Richard Branson could not be a thought leader if he wasn't Richard Branson, the personal brand first. It's all about elevating your personal brand. What are your credentials? What are your experience? What have you got to pass on to people? Now, what's your experience of being an entrepreneur? What's your experience of raising companies, of failing with companies, of raising money, of you know, burning through cash, of you know, building a brand, and, and then passing that on? But for leadership side of things, the same thing with social selling. When I reach out to people on LinkedIn using social selling techniques, for example, I'm sharing content, I'm sharing my expertise, I'm sharing what you should do on LinkedIn. You could go and do it yourself. The reason I've got four books because I basically give those out as social proof, but basically I know what I'm talking about. And you can read the book and go and do it yourself, or you can say, I can employ Chris because I know he's basically got four best-selling books, therefore I trust him with my LinkedIn. And he's got 1,600 recommendations, therefore I totally trust him with my LinkedIn. So basically it's all about building up that social proof apart from your social brand, your personal brand, and then people are much more likely to then do business with you as a result of it. So it's your credibility. And it really is a lot of credibility. There's a lot of people out there who do LinkedIn, i get it all the time saying oh you're expensive and there's other people out there saying yeah there's loads of people out there doing it but they're all crap because they're not really living it and breathing it they haven't built a business they're basically a one-man band or they basically do a bit of linkedin but not the other part of linkedin they're basically how long have they been doing it how many recommendations have they got how many books have they got how many talks do they get how much do they charge the masterclasses i know what i charge i'm probably the most, the most paid linkedin masterclass i'm leader in the whole world with my credibility, but I've built that over seven years, eight years, you know, it wouldn't come overnight. So it's about kind of like, who do you trust with your LinkedIn? Who do you trust with your personal brand? So, and also, there are lots of free materials out there. I share materials every day about what you can do on LinkedIn. You can go and do it yourself. Nine times out of 10, people can't afford our services and can do it themselves. But I call that good business karma. That's what I'm doing next. I share good business karma, I share tricks, I share tips, I share what to do, what not to do. People can go and do it themselves and then thank me for it by passing my recommendation to somebody else, just like somebody passed the recommendation on to you. And that's how we met here. So it's all about that kind of like, if you're good enough, you stand out. People will remember you. It can be good, good quality service which they can interact with themselves. It doesn't cost them anything to do so. Right. So we stress the point that, especially if you're in B2B business, uh, you, need, you need to have a, a content strategy for LinkedIn. So what is a winning content strategy that works and uh, how can they replicate that? You heard of 411. So 411 is the social media content marketing strategy which we use on LinkedIn and which we use for our clients on LinkedIn. A 411 is one hard sell post. When I talk about black marketing, that's a hard sell post. But I can't do that the whole time. I have to give value. I have to give something to my clients, to my followers, to my peers. And when they say, look, Chris is giving value, now he basically has permission to sell to me. 
I give one hard sell post, one soft sell post was found on LinkedIn, and then four unrelated posts. So the four unrelated posts are where you can engage, where you can really kind of empathize, where you can share value and start a discussion. So I did one this week, for example, about Richard Branson wanting a bailout, you know, without paying tax. I saw that post, by the way. Hang on a minute. I got like 25,000 views so far, and lots of other people kind of bashing in saying, Yes, I agree. No, no, I don't agree. And that's the kind of dialogue you can have on LinkedIn. But that's an unrelated post. Mm-hmm. I know it'll go viral. I know it'll stoke up people's opinions. I know we're going to have a respectable conversation about it on LinkedIn. But I also know that Branson's got 60 million followers on LinkedIn. He thinks he's God. And he can get away with a lot. But a lot of other people are going, oh, Hang on a minute. He's a billionaire, not paying any tax. The tax exile for his companies, the tax exile for his person. He lives in Next Island and he's there for tax reasons. So basically, he pays no tax, yet he wants the government to basically give him money which he himself has not paid to the government. I'm sorry, that doesn't work. I pay money to the government in Singapore, they're giving me money back to help me employ Singaporeans. That's a quid pro quo. But Branson's not doing that. So that's an unrelated post. It's not related to my business. It's not related to LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by a content marketing strategy. You've got to come up with original content, authentic content on a regular basis. What you shouldn't do is reshare other people's content. Because LinkedIn puts up the bottom of the list. So literally, you can you can look at it. No content, no basically reshare gets any value at all. Gets no engagement, gets no shares. Because LinkedIn goes, no, you haven't created that. You just reshared that lazily from somebody else. We're going to put it right at the bottom. But if you do authentic content with an original post, original photograph, original opinion, LinkedIn will promote that. Because they love original content. They want you to do original content, so they promote it. So do original content on a regular basis. That's the key to LinkedIn. So lately, uh, uh, LinkedIn has, as a platform, has gone through major changes. So we talk about original content. You can publish articles, you can publish now videos. To maybe in some areas you cannot. For example, in China you cannot publish video, but you can publish post and so on and so forth. Yeah. Articles. What is that works best, and how you should uh, should navigate through all these ways of publishing content? Good question. Good question. Basically, don't do articles. Articles are basically what used to be promoted by LinkedIn, but LinkedIn stopped promoting them. So do not do articles because it's a waste of time. Do posts, which are basically 250 words. And so you have to be punchy. There have to be a picture of you or a video of you or something like a picture of something that elevates your particular story. And then the post should be very, very straightforward, very impactful. Hit people at the top, you know, what you're trying to get across, and then put down below your argument for what you're trying to prove, what you're trying to get across. How are you trying to create, communicate and what you want someone to communicate with you on? You want someone to engage. So you want to be provocative to a degree there, or you want to tell a happy story or something that makes people go, that's interesting. I love that. But I, do, I totally disagree with that. I'm going to tell them I disagree with that. So you want these two basic things, that that's the key to a good post, is to make people uh, be thought-provoking. But do it in a kind of, you know, obviously professional manner, obviously because it's LinkedIn, or tell a good story. I like telling good stories as much as anything else. I tell good stories about good customer service and bad customer service. Because people can relate to both of them. People can empathize with both of them as well. So original content, and you and I will come across that every day, Giorgio. Literally, we come across good customer service, bad customer service, but we let it go. We don't share it. We might tell our friends about it. We don't put it on LinkedIn. You should put it on LinkedIn. That's where you make change. I did a post this week, I don't know if you saw it about DBS. And the CEO of DBS, the group CEO of DBS, Piyush Gupta, came in because none of his leaders, supposedly, actually bothered. So for 14 hours on Sunday, I got like 25,000 views. And other people go, yeah, DBS is crap, and uh, banks are crap, and why can't I do this? And, uh, because they were basically trying to make me go out the lockdown to sign a bit of paper, 
which I had to print off in my office and post it, which is breaking lockdown twice. I was going, that's not essential. You can do this online, you can't do it online. So Pierre Schupter himself came in at 9.40 at night and said, yes, this is not acceptable. We'll look into this for you. I'm going, my God. But overnight, I had added 20,000 views because obviously Pierre Schupter wow. is the CEO of Bank. Then that, that may change. As a result of my post, he is now allowing people to make changes online to that particular thing that I complained about. So basically, you can make change because LinkedIn is trusted. Had I did the same thing on Facebook, no one would have cared. Because basically, LinkedIn, he can see all his customers are on LinkedIn. And all the people who are advocates or influencers are also on LinkedIn. People in fintech are on LinkedIn. People who are his shareholders are on LinkedIn. People in the government are on LinkedIn. People in the Monetary Authority of Singapore are on LinkedIn. But it has much more influence. It has less members than Facebook. But it's not about quantity. It's about quality of who those people are. What's, there are many people on LinkedIn who are helping other people to to boost their LinkedIn, but uh, what is the mo um, the worst advice that you see or hear to be given in your area of expertise in this case? Oh, LinkedIn. so much. So the worst advice I would say is use a automated platform. Because if you use an automated platform on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn Help or DuckSoup or one of these other platforms, you will get banned by LinkedIn. Everyone thinks, yes, I can automate it. I can get, use this. I can uh, ramp up my connections. But LinkedIn know what you're doing. And if they're doing that, they'll basically put you in what we call LinkedIn jail. What is that? Where you, have to put an email, you have to put an email address in your connection. That means they see that you're spamming people because you're using automated platform, which is against LinkedIn guidelines. And basically, they will then put you in LinkedIn jail, so then you can't invite anybody without an email address, which basically means you can't invite them. So basically, do not use an automated platform. Don't listen to anybody who does say that. And the other point is, be prepared, be authentic. Don't listen to people who says that you can only post things about your work. That's rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. People want to get to know you, just like you met them in a bar, after work, for example, and got to know them. You don't just talk about work the whole evening. You talk about passion, you talk about rock, you talk about music, you talk about sport, you talk about family, you talk about lots of different things. And the same thing on LinkedIn. In a business context, humanize yourself, make people empathize with you on LinkedIn. A lot of trainers say, no, you can't do that. But it's wrong because you look at the engagement of non-professional posts, and that is far and above the engagement of professional posts. You have to look at what people want to do. It's still a social media network. People don't realize it's still a social media. It's still about people. It's still like this. It's a conversation, Giorgio. Exactly. So now there is a lot of, um, well, before the outbreak, there is a lot of people trying to move the conversation from online to offline, so LinkedIn locals events. Uh, what is your take on that and do they work or should you attend if you are trying to boost your game on LinkedIn? Um, uh, having attended a couple of these, I would say no, because they're a bit of a waste of time. Because basically no one who's a leader goes. So basically you're just going to get lots of hangers on going there. You basically want to mix up with a lot of the people, which is fine, it has a, it has a, it has a place in society, it's like another meetup. There's nothing special to it. I'd rather connect with someone on LinkedIn, talk to them about business, and meet them face-to-face -face and have a conversation. So I want to be more specific, much more specific in terms of, I'm going to meet you, I'm going to talk about how I can help you, or how you can help me, or how we can work together, or how we can share a story about being an entrepreneur in Singapore or Shanghai. And that's what I use LinkedIn for. I sit at meetings all the time. I go to Zurich or Shanghai, for example, or Hong Kong, or Sydney or San Francisco, and I set up like 100 meetings by LinkedIn. But I'm very, very specific about who I want to meet. Founders, potential clients, people interested on LinkedIn, people who are normally premium, already paying for it, not getting the most out of LinkedIn. I then meet them, 
and have a good conversation about how we can help them and how they basically can work together. It doesn't always result in someone becoming a client, of course, but it results in that person then becoming a potential advocate of what we do and knowing what we do, may become a client later, one year, two years, three years, five years later, or recommend this to somebody else. They always give out my book. I don't give out business cards, I give out my book. So my book basically is my business card. And they pass that on to somebody else, they read it, they recommend it, and so forth. So I don't really believe in LinkedIn local because it's too sporadic. It's too like Meetup. Meetup can be a big waste of time or be fantastic. It's completely random. Whereas LinkedIn is all about the data. You follow the data, who's interested, who's engaged, who you want to talk to. So um, you, as you, as you mentioned before, you you connect through LinkedIn and you've been giving speeches in different countries and so on and so forth, keynote speech. And do you see any differences in how people are using this platform in uh, across countries? And what are those differences? Yes. Oh, massive, massive, massive differences. So, for example, Shanghai, where you come from, uh, where you live and your your business is, is the engagement level is minimal. It's like literally one percent people engage in Shanghai because what they're doing and you will know this is they're transferring that conversation to WeChat right so they're having a conversation on WeChat because WeChat is used in China and LinkedIn isn't and LinkedIn is used to find the right person but then you move to WeChat just on this and, and other places like Singapore or what I call Zurich which is Zurich I call the Singapore of Europe because Zurich is a tax haven it's where entrepreneurs go it's where people from Germany don't want to pay German taxes go people like a lifestyle go so it's very similar to Singapore and the reason why I go there literally every couple of months before the virus happens is because we meet so many people there who want to become our clients. We have no competition there, lots of entrepreneurs there. We've got money. They're founders, they're entrepreneurs, they're often serial founders. So they're basically, it's a great place to meet people. So, but in other places, it doesn't happen. I'll give you a story. I, I went to, um, last year, I went to Munich and Berlin in Germany. And I set up, like, literally, I couldn't get anybody in Munich. I got like, three meetings in Munich. It was a disaster. Berlin was amazing. I had like 30 meetings. I thought, this is amazing. I picked up so many clients. And what happened? I go to Munich. Out of the three people, two people became clients. I had 30 meetings in Berlin. I had an amazing time. I had picked up zero clients. But guess where I'm going next year? <laughs> but you have to go to find out. Like I went to New York. And New York was a disaster. I went to New York. Nobody cared about LinkedIn. Nobody cared about LinkedIn. And what they call it, I see a limey, an English person, or an ex-English person, with a mohawk, trying to tell somebody in New York to do, they're very, very conservative. I got told this afterwards, oh, no, because you're conservative, they couldn't handle you. Like, huh? Then I went to San Francisco, and they had loads of clients. We now have loads of clients in San Francisco, because they get it, and there's founders, and they're more out there, and they believe in personal branding. So literally, you have to just use the data, go there, find out if something's going to work, and then basically go back to the places that work, don't go back to the places that don't. Right, so test, test, test. Yes, correct. Um, so what are the top five tips for entrepreneurs and founders who want to boost their LinkedIn game? So, I mean, the top five are very, very simple. Your photograph is the number one thing. Have a professional photograph. It's not rocket science. Do not use your Facebook photograph. Do not use a holiday snap. Do not use your wedding picture. Do not use your kids' pictures. Don't use something that someone snapped with you in a bar or someone's hand over you or your hand over somebody else. Don't do that. Have a professional photograph. Spend a bit of money. It doesn't cost a lot. Then have a good background picture. Use the background picture. Do not have a background picture of Singapore or San Francisco or the Harbour Bridge or you know the Opera House because then a million other people have got the same thing. It doesn't say about your personal brand. Have something that relates to your personal brand. So I have my book there now. For example, I have my company many times about it. 
by the point I'm making across about my business on my background, because that's free advertising. If someone comes into your profile, sees your background picture, then your headline. Your headline's really important because it's about keywords. You have to use keywords in your headlines. So I use LinkedIn three, four, five times in my headline deliberately. If you do a search on LinkedIn, I come up in the first couple of pages. When I put personal branding there, mm -hmm. I use it deliberately so if someone puts personal branding in there, I come up. LinkedIn's a search engine. You have to dictate the headline. And then you must have a good summary section, a good about us section. And then good uh, media, featured section is very important. So video, you have to then put in the featured section your latest posts, your latest blogs, your latest videos, your latest pictures, your website, your YouTube. So it stands out. There's a big area now there that LinkedIn allows you to do a feature. And then have lots of recommendations. Recommendations are really, really key on LinkedIn because it's not just you saying you do a good job. It's other people also saying you're good, doing a good job. And they can then click that person and say, hey, Georgia, what was it like to work with Chris? Or, hey, Chris, what was it like to work with Georgia? Mm -hmm. The recommendations are absolutely key. I'm always amazed about LinkedIn people out there who are LinkedIn experts. And I go, well, you got three recommendations. The last one was four years ago. How, you, how is that possibly a good advocate for being a LinkedIn guy? So basically, you have to practice what you preach. You have to basically make sure your profile is a rock star profile too. But it's very, very simple. It's literally just filling the gaps. And you literally are doing more than nine times out of ten people on LinkedIn. Right. So uh, actually, I, I I put in practice because I think I've heard one of your speeches, like ask people to give you recommendations. And since then, I started to ask people, hey, can you write me a recommendation? Or, hey, can you this? Because this is actually, um, I think you also said this, it's uh, validation from other people. And also LinkedIn yeah. algorithm uh, boosts your profile. Um, but it's also, if you don't ask Giorgio, they won't do it. Literally, I've had loads of people say, well, I've got 100 recommendations on my website. It's like, well, it's useless there because I'm not going to look at your website. I'm looking at your LinkedIn. You've got none in your LinkedIn. It's like, oh. Or they do anonymous recommendations. It's like, how can you have an anonymous recommendation? You could have made that up. Whereas on LinkedIn, you can actually go through to that person and say, what was it like to work with Giorgio? Right. So, uh, Chris, what are you currently working on and uh, how can people find you? If they want to reach and become a top voice of LinkedIn, for instance. Well, obviously, people can find me on LinkedIn. I mean, we're currently working on uh, kind of like obviously the, the, this whole uh, this whole challenge we all have at the moment of being an entrepreneur in a very stressful time. So we've actually created a new service called the Light uh, Rockstar Personal Branding Service for people who basically may have been laid off or want to get a new job or worried about becoming an entrepreneur and now maybe want to go back to being being employed or want to raise money. So now we've done a more affordable uh, version. Uh, so we have a light version, a premium version, and an ultimate version. The ultimate version includes the social selling side of things. But we basically, we have to adapt to the fact that people do not want to spend money now. People are more nervous about spending money now. Um, so we basically changed our packages to basically be adaptable to that. And that's the wonderful thing about being an entrepreneur. On LinkedIn, I can basically just change it like this. The data is saying to me, no one's buying theirs and buy here instead. Change it, create a new program, create a new product. The light version is selling very well. I've literally, I've probably been sold one a day this week, which is absolutely fantastic. So it's, and we've got a lot of big pipeline of people that realize they need to invest in their personal branding now. They must, because when we come out of this, the strong brands, as you know, are the ones that keep on marketing. They can become top of, top of mind. When we come out of this, people do have money again. They're going to think about the people who kept marketing, not the ones who basically didn't keep marketing or didn't give value. That's why I'm posting and engaging even more on LinkedIn. And finally, I'm getting more views, more engagement than ever before on LinkedIn even though LinkedIn usage in total is actually down because lots of multinational workers are basically on holiday. 
because they're getting paid regardless. Whereas you and I know, Georgia, if we don't work, we don't get paid. Right. That's the sad story of being an entrepreneur sometimes. Yes. You're reminded of the harsh way, this particular. <laughs> uh, Chris, thank you very much for uh, joining the Founders Club uh, podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for asking, Georgia.